Welcome back, Housing News listeners. This is Elspina Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you will be listening to Episode 7 of Season 3, which features Movement Mortgage's CEO, Casey Crawford. In this episode, the former NFL player touches base on the biggest issue facing the housing finance sector, the ongoing uptick in forbearance requests from the nation's financially strained borrowers. Crawford also shares his perspective on how the U.S. mortgage industry can best adapt and overcome challenges during this period of uncertainty. According to Crawford, the mortgage market is one of dramatic highs and dramatic lows. If mortgage companies want to overcome volatility, industry leaders must position their organizations to proactively address problems quickly and decisively. But before we listen, Clayton will bring you word from our sponsor. During these challenging times, Quicken Loans Mortgage Services is committed to the health and well-being of its partners, its partners' clients, and its communities. Even though things are changing rapidly, you can count on the QLMS commitment to speed, certainty, and care. QLMS is now approving new partners within 24 hours. That means you can be up and running quickly and be able to help your clients. Visit QLMortgageServices.com to get started. Now, more than ever, QLMS is stronger together. Thank you for listening, and here's Episode 7 of the Housing News Podcast. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Clayton Collins at Housing Wire. We're here today with Casey Crawford, the CEO and co-founder of Movement Mortgage. Casey, welcome to Housing News. Glad to be here, man. Fun, Fun times in the mortgage industry. I have no joke. So this is actually our, our second interview together. Our first one was on your show, uh, Coffee with Casey. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. Indian land, South Carolina headquarters. But today it looks like you're uh, in the home studio. Is that correct? Looks like, you know, looks like it's the, the magic of Hollywood. Looks like I'm in some kind of home studio. I'm in, a, I'm in a guest bedroom. I never imagined, never contemplated working from home. I love being in the office. You've been to our office. Yep. It's one of my favorite places on earth. And um, I just said, no, no, I'm not a work from home guy. So when we built our house, didn't didn't build a home office in it. So I'm yeah, I'm upstairs in the guest bedroom upstairs with a uh, Jake draped a uh, big sheet ahead of marketing behind me here to make it look very uh, yeah very professional. So I, I'm we're, we're all making do, man. We're improvising. Adapting. We don't have a home office either. That's why I'm um, I'm the only housing wire team member in the office today because I don't have a good dedicated spot at home. <laughs> but, uh, but we're making do. We'll make it work. So on that note, Casey, you guys have a really strong office culture and, a, and an incredible campus. Like, how are you guys adjusting to this change? I'm sure we're doing the same thing. A lot of guys are, you know, we're, we're a ton of Zoom calls. It's been, it's actually been really, really cool. It's, I've been so impressed. We had our record month, biggest month in company history last month um, and did it largely working from home. You know, we had 4,000 team members go work from their homes and, uh, you know, our, our processors, underwriters, shippers, funders, all the back end office team, more productive than they've ever been, which you know, I really believe this coronavirus adversity, we're going to learn a lot and we're actually going to come out of it stronger as an industry. I hope we're going to push through some things like e- e-closings and, and, you know, all kinds of evolutions that we've really needed to and been able to as an industry. We just haven't had the kind of collective will to get it done, um, you know, with legislators and whatnot. And so, you know, we, we've, we've worked a lot that to go, hey, man, how do you have a great digital culture? And so Friday at five, I joined a happy hour. Our guys have been having happy hours every Friday, you know, digital Zoom happy hours. Man, the guys had guitars out. We all opened a beer and, uh, you know, celebrated the great week. And uh, we've been doing stand-up Zoom calls every single day. I do an open call with the whole sales force and all of ops at five o'clock just to let everybody know, hey, here's what went on today in our industry at a macro level with the virus, with our economy. Here's how we as a team are responding to all these new challenges. So I think communication is, um, is critical, you know, in times of crisis. 
And so we're just trying to really over communicate and provide lots of opportunity for our team members to engage digitally. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we're seeing that you, you start to really see who the leaders are when you go through a time of change and adversity, see who the, the players on your team are who are, who are nimble and, and digitally savvy. Um, yeah. Is that something that you're seeing inside of uh, movement as well? Yeah, so when we talk a lot about, hey, you know, this industry, any business is full of challenges and you, you better be uh, waking up ready to adapt and overcome, you know, adapt and overcome. And so this was no different. We just said, all right, let's, let's have a lot of fun with this. Let's adapt and overcome and let's, you know, work company is pretty open to experimentation and trying new things. And so we, we said, hey, we're going we're gonna to completely throw out our old meeting schedules. You know, we had a pretty regimented cadence of how we did lead team meeting things. We're going to go daily because it's a time of crisis too. Our nation's in crisis. And so we need to change our rhythms and how we respond to a crisis. And uh, man, we've done, done something. Yeah, we've seen guys step up in such cool ways. And like I said, the, the digital happy hour, we've, we, did a, we did an Easter service as an entire company. You know, a lot of folks are, it's a pretty lonely time. People, people feel pretty isolated. We have a lot of team members in the uh, Northeast that, that are absolutely locked down in their homes. And so, so we said, fantastic. Um, let's for the first time all celebrate Easter together. Anybody that wants to log in, and we had a private worship service with our Elevation Church, did an amazing job. And we had hundreds of team members around the country doing Easter together, you know, just to provide some community for one another at a time when a lot of folks are feeling kind of disconnected. So, you know, whether it's a, a digital happy hour at five or, a, you know, a worship service together on Sunday morning across the country, um, we've actually found some new ways to connect more than ever. And I'm actually getting to see my team members that, that aren't in South Carolina more than I've ever seen them before. So th there's been some great evolutions to this. I, I might keep this stand up five o'clock call going, you know, in, into uh, the future here because I've really enjoyed seeing my team members on Zoom every day. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing. More remote call, video calls with remote team members and in, and in family and friends. I feel like I'm doing video chats with my family members and friends who are distributed throughout the country way yeah. more than I was before. And, uh, and they're not, I mean, this is not even a, a COVID impact. This is just like we're, um, we weren't seeing each other before, but now we get on video and chat. It's actually uh, strengthening relationships. So some positive yeah. things coming out here. So on, on really the note are. of positive, I, I want to, before we kind of get into the, 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 the tough stuff here. Um, I want to learn a little bit more about your other initiatives outside of movement mortgage. So movement bank, uh, movement foundation, movement school, <clears throat> am I getting those right? Like t tell us about like how all those them, pieces yeah. work together. Man. So, so we kind of think of, that's when we talk about movement, not movement mortgage. We'll say, Hey man, we're, we're part of the movement family, the movement team. And um, you know, movement, we always had a vision of being about more than just mortgages. You know, we, we wanted, we wanted the lives of the people that are invested in our company to be about more than just mortgages. We wanted our own life to be invested in more than just mortgage. We love the mortgage business man, and we love the privilege of helping people buy homes. But we said, you know, life is actually about a lot more. And so, you know, we had looked at when we started the company in 2008, it was in the middle of a very similar time as we are in right now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of economic turmoil. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of suffering. I said, man, if we're going to step into this space, if we're going to open up a company, let's do something different. The world didn't need one more mortgage bank. You know, there's plenty. Any city in America, you could get a mortgage at that time and still today. So we said, if we're going to enter this space, let's be about something a little bit different. And let's be about really reinvesting back in our communities to love those that are most marginalized. Let's, let's build a community where we really try to authentically love one another and challenge each other to be our best selves professionally and personally. And, uh, and so that was, you know, that was kind of the dream with four of us. And now, you know, we have about 4,000 team members um, and, you know, the mortgage company's grown tremendously. A few years ago, we had the privilege of, of recapitalizing First State Bank of Danville, the second oldest African-American founded-owned bank in the United States. 
And last year we celebrated a hundred years of business with this amazing bank that um, was actually founded during the Jim Crow South era when blacks in that community were explicitly being denied access to credit in rural Virginia. And they had, they had a vision and mandate the basement of a church to see um, those that were being marginalized in their community loved and get extended credit. And we said, man, that's what an amazing legacy we get to, to, to carry forward into the next century as we work in the same way to like grow a depository alongside of our mortgage company that works to love the marginalized and, and extend credit to them and help to make sure that um, you know, there's equal access to uh, the credit that flows across America. And then, you know, as we made profit, we said, hey, we want to reinvest in our communities in really transformative ways. And, you know, we really, if we think about the people that we want to love the most, where we have the most commonality as a, as a community, you know, vulnerable children kind of rise to the top of that list. Just about anyone you talk to is going to be in for and agree with that we should invest in the lives of vulnerable children. If you're a vulnerable kid, if you're a homeless kid, if you're a kid that's born into poverty, man, that, that is good and right. The rest of society invest in your success and future and help make a way for you. So we built Movement School in the, um, one of the most challenged, economically challenged parts of Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, it's, a, it's a public charter school. We have uh, 500 kids. We actually have a 700 kid waiting list now um, to get in. Our kids are having amazing academic success. We've already started uh, construction on our second uh, location now. Uh, so on the east side, we're building another public charter. And, uh, and then we did movement uh, clinic as well. because We found there wasn't a pediatrician within five miles of our school. So we built a movement clinic. We staffed it with Avant Hospital. And uh, yeah, now we have this kind of, and then we built um, 185 affordable housing units with, with some partners, Charlotte Housing Authority here. So we have a synergistic community with affordable housing, a health clinic, and a, uh, a school all working together to help those that are most marginalized in our communities kind of break these cycles of poverty. Um, and so we just see this kind of all working together. We see the for-profit business serving and funding a lot of what we do in the foundation work. You know, we're, we're bringing capital and education to communities fundamentally. We bring capital in the form of mortgages, and then we're bringing education um, to our communities by uh, really bringing an, uh, an education option to some of the most marginalized kids. And we're looking for our third and fourth locations right now for those schools. Uh, and so all those institutions, the mortgage company, the bank, and the schools are all dealing with um, this COVID crisis and working from home. You know, we had, and all, our kids actually, um, about 60% of our kids, the meals they receive are actually meals they receive out of school. So we had to think through even feeding um, the kids that are at our school in, the, in this time. So we've been dealing with a lot of challenges associated with this crisis. We've learned a lot and uh, we have a lot of lessons, I think, to share uh, as a part of that. How are you tackling the issues with movement school? Like, how are you, are you moving classes virtual and how do you handle the food yep. issue? Yeah, so, so we have, you know, we, 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 we've been beginning to move some classes virtual, but I, I think actually um, Charlotte Mecklenburg is going to, um, our, our, our county is going to end the school year. So, um, that, and that's really, really tough for us because our kids really need a 365 day um, education environment. Uh, they come into kindergarten typically with about a million word deficit from some of their peers. Um, and, and so we really try to pour these kids year round. So we're, we're, we're thinking through right now how we can, you know, restart some of this learning to make sure that they don't fall behind, um, during the summertime. It gets really tough for some of our kids. We, you know, the, the, the food one's been amazing. We've had some really generous friends step up and say, no kids at movement school will be without food. And so we had a, um, a friend that owns a restaurant right there commit to feeding all of our kids, which was just unbelievable. And we actually had a ton of movement teammates raise their hand and say, hey. If there are any food needs, let me know. My team, my family 
we'll make sure those kids are taken care of. And that's, that's just part of the kind of the ethos of who we are. It's like, we, man, we, we, we rise together and, uh, and, and, you know, rising tide lifts all shifts. And so our mortgage originators absolutely care and invest in the lives of our children that are in our schools. They, uh, you know, we have all these different classrooms at the school, right? And all the classrooms are sponsored by different uh, movement teams all over the country, make sure they have their school supplies and everything they need, man. So it's really a collective to me that looks out for one another and tries that we say we want to love one another. We want to love and care for each other um, in this process. It's been a really beautiful thing. Sometimes, you know, deep adversity kind of highlights the goodness in humanity. Do the opposite. Sometimes, man, you see some brave first responders, right? You see our brave men and women that are on the front lines of fighting coronavirus. And I've watched some families that, you know, while they're kind of trying to figure things out for themselves economically and personally, have stepped up to make sure that, that some of the most vulnerable in our community are cared for during this time. That's really cool, Casey. So let's let's jump in a little bit to the the mortgage industry. So yeah. COVID nineteen is definitely impacting uh, homeowners or, or home potential homeowners' ability to go out and see homes. We're hearing kind of different numbers and some slowing in the purchase market. We still yep. have this um, great low rate environment that's supporting refi. Um, how would you kind of describe your, your, your current business, your April business at, at Movement, what you're seeing coming through the pipe and, and how it's being impacted by coronavirus? Yeah, so April, if we look at the, the, what we're closing in April, I think is large part of what we did in March, right, which was not as dramatically impacted or affected. So, so you okay. know, a, our April pipeline, it'll be a, it'll be a you know, overwhelming record month for us because of the low rate environment, you know, with refinances and even a lot of purchases, we're still 60% purchase um, driven, even in this environment right now, but we see that shifting. We see that shifting quickly um, as, as folks, you know, really deal with And it, it depends on different parts of the country as well. Like the, the, the Northeast right now is absolutely locked down. If you're in PA, Jersey, New York, that's a really tough environment right now. Um, there are a lot of elements that are, that are making it hard to, um, to close a purchase loan. So we're seeing some markets really, really slow down and shut down. I think in May, our industry and particularly the, the real estate industry is going to feel the impacts of a slowed purchase market. Um, and, and, you know, right now it's a little bit anecdotal. You can kind of watch the locks coming in and you uh -huh. hear like open houses that are shut down and, and people that, that are just, just pulling contracts because they don't want to close right now. You know, I, th I think the numbers will bear out in May that we saw a dramatic, dramatic fall off um, in the purchase market. Uh, as we get into May. But, you know, the good news is for our industry, right, is that um, in the mortgage industry, you typically when purchase is slow, it's because the economy's really hit some hard times. And um, then we have opportunities to do refinances. And so I, and I, and I do think we're going to continue to have a strong refinance uh, market out there and that we are going to get some of these issues worked out with Fannie and Freddie and forbearance, and everything else that is, um, that is going on right now. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good work being done to make sure our industry continues to march forward. So, so March will, is definitely a lagging indicator. April origination volume likely still like kind of a lagging indicator, but we'll really start yep. to see pipelines impacted in May, June, July. We'll, we'll see. How, we'll see how long. Pur that, that purchase holds. pipelines. Purchase, yeah, purchase pipelines. pipelines. I think that's okay. right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think, I think so, guys are still going to do plenty of refinances out there. So one of the most important topics we've been talking about over the last few weeks is the the impact of um, Fed. Uh, MBS buying on mortgage servicers and independent mortgage yeah. banks. We've done a lot of coverage there. Um, last week, Dave Stevens wrote an op-ed. Just a bit. Just a bit. So, uh, <laughs> so last week, Dave Stevens wrote an article um, for Housing Wire that IMBs are the path to recovery, not the problem. Mm. 
Mm. I'm interested in hearing your perspective as the, as the CEO, as the operator of an independent yeah. mortgage bank. How, how have you been impacted? How's your business been impacted? Um, let's start there. Yeah, so I actually sit in an interesting seat with this one, I think, because I also, I'm, I'm 90, um, I think 98% owner of a bank, Pod Story, and um, you run a mortgage bank. Really, so I get to kind of look at a few different regulatory um, regimes and a few different environments. And yeah, I, I think Dave Stevens nails it. I, I, he's absolutely correct. IMBs are critical and important and have played a vital role um, from the 2008 recession when, when, you know, IMBs were the ones that really stepped into government lending with FHA and VA and USDA. When all the big banks pulled out because of all the regulatory fear, IMBs were the ones that stepped in, independent mortgage banks um, were the ones that stepped in and actually made sure that credit was still flowing to um, borrowers that needed FHA loans. That's so critically important. And those are frankly the folks we're all most concerned about. No one really is too concerned about me getting a home loan. You know, executive white collar, high income, uh, borrowers getting home loans. We all know that that borrower will have access to credit somewhere in the marketplace. The, the folks we need to worry about are the marginalized, those that are just on the cusp of home ownership. You know, it's, it's a few hundred bucks a month. It's, a, it's, it's $500 in a down payment. And those are the borrowers that are served by the FHA, VA, and USDA program. So when the big banks all pulled out of those programs, man, it's those borrowers who are most dramatically infected. It's the ones right on the margin. They were most dramatically affected by that. And that's where the IMBs stepped in and made sure those borrowers still had access to credit. We continue to play that role today. And, you know, thankfully, FHA has done a lot to, to help uh, maintain IMB's ability to, uh, to originate loans, even in the, in the midst of this forbearance. But I think that was part of the CARES Act that, um, unfortunately, wasn't fleshed out before the bill was signed. And that, you know, Calabria, I think, made some really unfortunate comments last week that made people very nervous about uh, the federal government and FHFA's willingness to correct some of the oversight that were part of that bill. I think the bill was good. I think it was good and right for the federal government to step in immediately and give this mortgage relief, for sure. What they need to do with the bill, though, is make sure they do the work on the back end of issuing it to make sure that, you know, that these, this um, mortgage forbearance that, that they are offering, that they mandate, that was never a part of a, a mortgage services or an IMB's business plan. You know, the federal government has stepped in and said, hey, we are going to issue and offer this to all Americans. Good. And make sure you're also with that, providing the means for the private mortgage banks to give to pay those three months of payments. Because well, that's what a lot of folks don't know is that it's going to be on the, the servicers of that loan or, or some of the IMBs to actually make the payments for the borrower. And there's a second element of actually not even being able to sell that loan to Fannie or Freddie um, if, if the borrower has asked for forbearance. So the very thing that, that they are telling the borrowers they now have the right to ask for and to receive. They then say, hey, but if they do it, you know, we don't want to help you with the problem that that caused. That, that's a problem. I have no problem with legislation. I, I'm, I'm actually thankful for it. Appreciate it. Think it was right. Good time. I mean, I've been talking to a lot of our legislators and you know, congressmen and senators and whatnot about this, along with a lot of you know, my other um, brethren CEOs in the mortgage space. And, and the good news is I, I am expecting some, some um, relief this week from, uh, from Fannie Freddie and um, FHFA. This episode of Housing News is sponsored by ArchMI's RateStar buy-down tool. Save your borrowers money when you use the industry's only MI buy-down tool to create a custom MI payment the competition can't match. Only from ArchMI. Learn more at archmi.com slash RateStar buy-down. Thank you for listening to our brief ad. And now back to the episode. 
that's excellent. So what does relief look like to you? Like in terms of your business model, is that more investors coming back in and those marginal, those products that serve marginalized communities? Is that support yeah. directly for non-bank servicers? Like, like what do you, what is the IMB market? We don't have to do movement specifically, but what is the IMB market? No, sure. To, yeah. To so, so, so it's actually interesting. So movement's not a big servicer. We, we don't have a, we don't retain a, a big servicing book. And so in many ways, um, this was a lot more dramatically impactful to a lot of my peers than it was to movement particularly. But you know, to me, I, I've been advocating for our industry as a whole, like not just specific to movement, but just to help our legislators understand what all um, mortgage you know, companies and, and non-bank servicers are going through. And, um, you know, I think what, what it looks like at, at a really macro level, Clayton, is that there's, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of pieces in the supply chain, right? And the federal government, if you, <laughs> you kind of think about um, in the pipes of the mortgage industry or the, the, the mortgage industry being kind of like water pipes, you know, we, we originated about five, six billion dollars of mortgages a day. And the federal government stepped in and started buying 50 billion. Buying 10x of what. Yep. And then at that point, they just overloaded the system. Like if we were built for, you know, whatever, 20 gallons per minute of water pumping through the pipes, they started <laughs> pumping 200 gallons through the pipes, right? And that just doesn't work. So what they need to do is come help us rework the pipes so that, man, it didn't burst. They don't break. And, and I think, thankfully, they are doing that now. It was, again, the Calabria's, I, I'm hopeful just from some private conversations I've had um, that, you know, that where, where I've heard the Calabria is, is leaning much more towards um, leaning in and actually helping solve this problem that the comments made publicly last week saying, hey, this is the IMB's problem. And if a bunch of them go away, that's maybe not the worst thing. And, um, you know, they're too thinly capitalized and regulated, which were, I think, really, um, they're uninformed. Uh, comments and, and there are ones that, that that really I think spoke to a lack of understanding and appreciation for how the entirety of the mortgage system works and the folks that he would frankly be hurting the most, which are those marginalized borrowers. Period. The, the yeah. guys, the guys are going to be helped are um, Jamie Dimon, Wells Fargo, the biggest banks in America. Right, those are the guys going to be helped. Yeah. I don't think anyone thinks that that's a great idea. I don't think anyone goes, man. You know, let's just centralize a little bit more of the banking power with Goldman Sachs. Like no one's jumping up. Great institution. I love it. We do business with all those guys. I think they're really good institutions, but no one in America thinks that's a really good idea to only have three or four mega players in this space to issue credit to American. Um, I think the, the, the market is held by a free market um, with lots of competitive players that are working to bring competitive offerings to, to this space. So, so, yeah, so what it looks like when the federal government's stepping in and fixing these things are just a freer um, flow of credit to borrowers. Rates are going to come down. Rates need to come down. They, they, they should come down right now relative to where they are, but they can't because there's so much uncertainty in the entire marketplace because of this forbearance nuance that hasn't been figured out with Fannie Freddie um, to date. That's excellent. All right. So Casey, we all know that uh, Q4 2018 was a tough market for mortgage lending. You were, um, you were very quick to, and very public with your, your, your statements on this is a tough market but we want to play offense. And um, mm -hmm. I know you had to make some changes to your business at that time, yep. but it, I think from an outsider perspective, really kind of conditioned you as a, a wartime CEO who's not, who's quick to take action when it's necessary. How, ha, how has that experience at tough market in 2018 influenced your ability to make decisions and lead through this, through this economic uncertainty and coronavirus landscape? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we actually just did a, a video last week, uh, a team meeting last week with, with our whole co company. We talked about being fast to the fight, being fast to the fight. And we want to have a culture that was fast to the fight. And I was talking about 
some, some of my best teammates that I ever had that, man, if it was a problem on the field, if you ever got in a fight, you knew they were the first ones to come have your back. And they were, they, they'd run at a problem. They'd run to a problem to address it, right? And, um, and I think that that's the culture that, that we want to have. Frankly, I think it's a culture a lot of IMBs have. That's one of the things I love about IMBs is a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of originators out there are entrepreneurs themselves. We're very nimble and very, very, very fast to address problems. And that's, yeah, the way we want to lead and want to be culturally. This industry is one of dramatic highs and dramatic lows. I mean, other than like oil and gas, I don't know if there's a, a, a more volatile industry in the world than the U.S. mortgage market. I mean, it's just is all over the place. And so you better have a posture um, as an organization and as an individual, frankly, um, of leaning forward and leaning in and being proactive to address problems. Do them quickly and decisively. And, um, you know, I, th I think if you have a, a, a good game, it's kind of, you know, patents thing of a uh, great plan executed today is better than a, a good plan executed today is better than a great plan tomorrow. And that, that's really what we, we, we look at. We try to like gather as much information as we can about a marketplace, um, understand, deeply understand the issue and then make decisions and move forward with those decisions um, with everyone communicated, you know, around those. And I think, you know, a, a guy told me one time that um, it's a great thing. He said, you know, more mortgage companies don't typically go out of business. What they do is they run out of cash. They run out of cash and, and it is such a cash intensive business. And we've all heard, man, the, the margin calls from a few weeks ago or forbearance. The big issue with forbearance right now is a cash issue. It's not an earnings issue. It's a cash issue. <laughs> um, and it's a fear over like, man, if a borrower says, hey, I want to go in forbearance that Danny or Jen or Freddie wouldn't buy that loan. Or they say, hey, I want to go to forbearance and I have a, you know, a hundred billion dollar servicing portfolio and I have to advance their payments for them. Um, that's a cash flow issue, right? It's not necessarily an earnings issue. And so I think, man, if you're running an IMB right now and you don't have a multi-billion dollar balance sheet, um, like a lot of the, the banks do of, of capital and the ability to take in deposits, man, you better be really proactive about protecting cash and um, be, be, be very in tune with the nuances of the jumbo market, the uh, bond market, and the issues that are coming about those markets because of forbearance, because they can drain you of your cash overnight, literally overnight. I mean, and guys, that's, what, that's what drives mortgage companies out of business. It's just a drain on cash extremely quickly it's not a prolonged time of uh losses or something that, that typically takes most companies out i think i've heard that quote on mortgage companies don't go out of business they run out of cash i, I believe from barry habib before or uh i've heard barry, it a few places yeah yeah the, yeah, the, 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 yeah the, the, those little share it's usually shared over uh between like ceos or something yeah. other, like in the back room people don't want to come out on stage and say it but i mean i'd say that's it's the truth right and that is the truth if you want to understand you know, when people are like trying to figure out why are people so freaked out about margin calls? It's just a cash flow issue. Mm -hmm. Margin calls, I mean, fundamentally, you know, the rates were in the fan two and a half moving 600 basis points in four and a half days isn't hyper problematic on the PL over 69. What's hyper problematic on is on cash flows. People are having, I mean, I have friends with hundreds of millions of dollars of margin calls a day, a day. I mean, like, Hey, uh, you know, pay me 200 million this day, 200 million next day. Yep. It, was, it was hundreds of millions of dollars a day just draining their cash down. We had huge margin calls. Everyone dealt with that. It wasn't an earnings issue. It was a cash issue. And that's, I think, what um, FHFA failed to realize and, and the Fed failed to realize a little bit. But, you know, to their credit, right, they, a lot of our industry lobbied them and said, hey, this is good. Yes, we want to lower the cost of credit to Americans. We just need to do it at a little slower pace. Yep. It was an issue of pace. It wasn't an issue of policy. Policy was good, pace was wrong. So Casey, I, I know we're, we're running on a, a tight timeline today. I got two more quick questions for you. 
Um, the, the, the first being, um, we know you're working on a, a project coming up. I believe it's later today, um, on leading through adversity, uh, bringing on a special yeah. guest to talk to your team, um, and the whole housing industry. F fill us in a little bit there. Yeah. What, what's that project? Man. Yeah. So, so, you know, as we looked around, we're always trying to think again, our, our, our mission statement is we want to love and value people by leading a movement of change in our industry and in corporate cultures and in communities across America. And so, I, I'm big on this industry. I'm big on realtors. I love our realtors. I love our building partners. And I love other mortgage lenders, man. I think we play a vital role in the, in the largest, most impactful economy in the world. And I think we're the largest driver of it. And, uh, and so we said, man, what can we do during a time of fear, during a time of crisis? How do we give back? How do we play our part to serve the broader community? And man, there's nothing I could think of more than folks need that was a perspective of how to lead through adversity. I believe everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, great organizations rise and falls on great leadership. And um, man, the, the best leadership coach in the world, John Maxwell, unequivocal. He 33 million books sold on the topic. He's the greatest leadership coach, teacher of all time. And, uh, and, and John's a friend and, and a mentor. Um, so I asked John, said, hey, John, you know, we really like to give a gift to our industry. And man, I can't think of a better gift to give than to bring you on and let our industry experts and uh, leaders ask you questions on how to lead through adversity and we just want this to be a gift man i want it to be a gift to realtor partners to builders to other mortgage lenders um where they can take back and, and really get equipped by the world's greatest leadership coach on how they can turn around and, and lead and a lot of folks go man i'm not i'm not a leader you know i'm just i'm just an lo or i'm just a i'm just a realtor i believe this leadership is influence nothing more it's nothing less leadership is influence nothing more nothing less all of us are leaders in some, if you have influence, you have a leadership platform. You're leading your family, you're leading your borrowers, you're leading your coworkers, you have influence. Learn how to do it well. It, 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 it is the most um, exponentially powerful thing we can do. So yeah, the whole industry, it's open. Um, we have about 10 or 15 guests that are gonna come on from all, from all outside of movement. Just, just you know, leaders in, in the uh, real estate space are gonna come on and ask John their best question on how to lead through adversity. And man, John is going to answer those questions for for our industry, and hopefully give us some uh, give us some hope and help us take that place that I think that we should in the U.S. economy, which is at the front. It's at the front. You know, for too long, I think the mortgage industry and real estate industry has been maligned, been kind of made fun of, um, been poked at by media, uh, and that that's that's wrong. That's just that's just wrong, and it's a shame. And we need to step into that place of leadership that I think we should have as as the most important, largest driver of the largest economy in the world. Let's step into and lead well from that place. Well, I will be on there with you and looking forward to that conversation with John Maxwell. So, so final question, Casey, um, and you kind of teed us up perfect here. Um, uh -oh. Housing Wire, we call it the, the tip of the spear, the LOs and realtors. Um, they're, they had a tough, tough job right now. Rates are still low. Um, some people are still looking for houses, but they need to socially distance. They need to be safe. What's your advice to LOs and realtors as they navigate what hopefully is just a, a few more weeks of challenge, but potentially a few more months of this environment. Yeah. So I think there's never been a big, bigger opportunity to let your sphere of influence know they have a friend in the business. They have a friend in the business and bring value to their life by educating them on what is going on. I think right now forbearance is the uh, topic of the week. You know, there might be a new one next week. It's been that fast moving. Educate your sphere of influence on forbearance, what it means, what it doesn't mean. I think, you know, collectively, we had the opportunity to take a, a payment protection plan at, uh, loan, right, as, our, as a foundation. I turned it down. We said, we don't need it. Our foundation doesn't need it. There are other organizations that are in deep need that I want to save that money for. 
as Americans, as Americans, we need to be thoughtful about who raises their hand and says, I need forbearance. Forbearance was created to help those that were sincerely impacted by the coronavirus. And there are a lot of them. We know that 10% of Americans are out of work right now and millions more are dramatically impacted and affected because of the impact of this virus. Now, we, those families need to understand how to take advantage of forbearance, to leverage that great tool. And then we also need to let folks know that if you were not economically impacted, don't let these lax rules be a reason to raise your hand and take advantage of money that was intended for someone else. Our society, America does not work if we don't come from a place of honest integrity and really loving and caring about our neighbors and being a good citizen. Being a citizen, man, it doesn't just take what is given, but says, hey man, what is good, what is right for the overall whole and acts in accordance with that um, kind of you know, attitude and perspective. And so we, we, you as an individual realtor, as an individual loan officer, need to be out there to your community, to your sphere of influence and explaining this new forbearance and what it is and what it is not. Secondarily, you need to be letting them know. Rates, I mean, show them a perspective on rates even in the last year. Rates are in an incredible place right now. The federal government is trying to reduce the cost of credit for Americans. We need to help Americans take advantage of that. There's a huge opportunity to continue to take advantage of that and lower monthly payments for folks who want to refinance or go buy a home at a, uh, at a price, frankly, um, in a monthly, monthly cost of credit price that is far below what we've seen in, in years and in years. So it's a wonderful time to buy. It's a fantastic time to refinance. And we need to be that, that real voice of uh, wisdom and expertise to our sphere of influence as it relates to real estate. Casey, thank you so much for the time today. Look forward to talking to you soon. Man, can't wait, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please don't forget to give us feedback and rate us on iTunes. Also make sure to check out HousingWire's latest podcast, The Daily Download, which is a daily wrap of HousingWire's hottest stories, now available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. See you next week.